You are listening to Brexit from a Catholic Perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a great pleasure to be standing on this stage again. And I must thank uh, our bishop for welcoming us all here today. I stood on this stage some 36 years ago, uh, pretending to be a policeman. I was in a play about Toad of Toad Hall, and I don't think my act was particularly convincing. So I hope that this evening I will not try to act, but will merely speak from the heart and tell you what I believe is in the interest not only of our country, but also is in tune with our values as Catholics. And in that, I want to first of all shower some praise on some of our fellow speakers, because all of them, in one way or another, have spoken out for Catholic values in this country. All of them are people of good conscience, and all of them have expressed themselves very clearly and honorably in this debate. Now, I think that's important to start with, because there is a lot of bad faith in our country today, a lot of division and divisiveness. And that is against our Catholic values. But it is not these Catholics here who are spreading it. So when we listen to the debate today, please remember that though we may disagree on this issue, we are all very closely aligned on many other areas. And indeed, the Catholic Communion, both in the wider country and in Parliament, is in many ways united. But it's also important to dwell on the words that the bishop started with, the word of truth. Because a lot of myth and a lot of storytelling has been happening lately. People have chosen numbers that they think tell a story when their grounding in truth may not be quite as firm. They are in many ways houses built on sand rather than stone. So I will start merely by talking about the values that I think matter to us as Catholics. The most important thing for me is that over the past century, Europe has witnessed both turbulence and peace. Millions have been murdered, millions have been made homeless, millions have suffered, been made destitute or forced into bondage in various ways. Millions more have risen, however, from the ashes. And the story of resurrection that is seen today in Europe in the past 70 years is one of great majesty and one that comes straight out of our Catholic teachings. The Church was instrumental in that. Saint John Paul II, Holy Father for so long, shaped a continent that rose not only out of the war of the First and the Second World Wars, but also out of the Cold War. The victory that he helped secure in the 90s against tyranny in the East, and the peace that he helped to spread, the unity he helped to bring to Germany and to our whole continent is, in a very real sense, a miracle. And if there are no others, that in itself would be grounds for sainthood alone. But no institution has been responsible for this. No one institution has simply done it alone. It wasn't our Holy Mother of the Church. It wasn't just NATO. And no, it wasn't just the European Union. But it was all of those things combined. Because as we know, life is not lived in monochrome. It is not a single binary choice, a yes, no, 
that gives us the answers. We are all here in glorious technicolor. We are the rainbow. We are that promise of salvation after the flood. And in that technicolor, in that spectrum, we use everything that God has given us, all the Christian values bring together, that include, yes, force when necessary, as various of our church fathers have spoken. Yes, force is valid, and NATO has that role. Yes, economy is valid, and the EU has that role. And yes, faith is valid, and the church has that role. And all three have come together to deliver the most extraordinary success of 70 years of peace. But of course, peace is not just a material existence. It is also a spiritual one. And that is why when I look at Europe today and hear the debate, I'm concerned that we are falling into the error that John Paul warned against when he attacked both the communist states and the capitalist ones. He warned of the error of materialism. He warned that our life is more than what is just lived on this earth. It is more than what is in our pockets or on the walls of our homes. It is in our hearts, and it is the unity that we have one for another. Now that unity that the Pope spoke of so fluently then, and that Pope Benedict and Pope Francis have both continued to emphasize through encyclicals, through teaching, through comment, sends a truth to what is Catholic theology. Catholic theology is indeed that, it is Catholic, it is universal, it is united. And it is in seeking the unity, not only of the church, but also of God's people on earth, that the church, our church, spreads its values. So when we look today at the world, the question we must always ask ourselves, as Catholics, is how do we best support that unity? What must we do, and how must we shape our actions to do so? Now for the European Union debate, I'm afraid for me the answer is clear. For me the answer is that we must work towards understanding the needs of our fellow citizens. Now, this mustn't be some sort of absurd ambition to unite the world, but it should be a reasonable ambition to unite peoples who descend from a common people, who descend from a common faith and a common book. Because the values that we hold so dear, the values of truth and justice, the values of equality, the values that are summed up in Magna Carta and the Bill of Rights, of course they're English values. Of course they are. But they are English values because they are Christian values. The Magna Carta did not spring naked from the mud of Runnymede. It was written by French barons, mostly, few English ones, to tie a French king's hand on principles set out by the University of Paris based on principles taught at universities from the Christian schools, teachings that came straight out of the Church Fathers, principles of human rights and equality before God. Those principles, those European principles, are fundamentally Christian. And they speak to a unity that we can have. They speak to a unity that is entirely possible, and one 
that over the last 70 years we have achieved peacefully. Others tried in the past by force, as Boris is very fond of reminding us. But there are other ways of achieving unity. And the European Union has been remarkably successful in that. Now, of course, unity does not mean unanimity. Pope Francis was very clear when he warned that authentic unity draws from the rich diversities which make it up. In this sense, it is like a family which is all the more united when each of its members is free to be fully himself or herself. So, of course, within our system, we must have flex. We must have the ability for nations to express the differences that enrich our community and do not impoverish it. It is right, absolutely, that Britain should have the right to be without the Eurozone, to be without the Schengen Zone. Because it allows the flexibility that we need. It is also right that Britain should continue to campaign for greater flexibility of the kind that is now being demanded not just on our streets, but in Paris, in The Hague, in Berlin, and even in Rome. As you will know, the new mayor of Rome has spoken out in favor of a greater flexibility herself. But this duality, the strength of cooperation and the freedom of individuality is very much at the heart of our Roman theology. Because the Catholic Church is a communion of believers, is not just a sacramental instrument. We are one and we are, achieve salvation as a church. But of course there is a danger as well, and it would be wrong to stand here and not be clear that dangers exist. This is not a politics of fear, but of honesty. And in that I quote our own Cardinal, the Archbishop of Westminster, who spoke beautifully, but sadly clearly, when he said that to start down the path of division almost inevitably leads to further division. So the Catholic instinct is to look for the whole. Because we know even in our own country that unity is not guaranteed. A referendum that we held only a couple of years ago nearly split us one from the other. It was an error that we, thank God, avoided. It was an error because it asked us to divide ourselves, as this referendum does. It asked to call ourselves one thing and not another. And for us as Catholics, after 500 years of persecution, being accused of being the other, it is wrong that we should be asked to define ourselves. Elizabeth had it right. We're never better ruled than by queens. Elizabeth had it right when she said that she will not put windows into men's souls. And the tragedy of this referendum is it asks me, it asks you, it asks all of us to say, I am British, I am not European. It defines the other and the foreign. It defines the outsider and does not say, who is my neighbor? It says, they are not of me. And in that, Catholic values are best served by unity within a European Union. Thank you.
This MP3 recording has been made available by Family Life International. Help us to make many more available in order to promote our Catholic faith. Go to www.familyandlife.org.uk and donate today. Thank you.